0: You are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. My name is Cora Gurnan. I created the space for women to share all of the details surrounding their pregnancy, labour, birth and everything in between without feeling shy about the detail. Sit back and enjoy over 100 hours of birth stories told by you, the listeners. Enjoy. Hello there. This cold sounds way worse than it is. I'm actually fine, but I sound horrendous. This week I'm sharing a really nice episode. I spoke with Jennifer who talks with me through her two pregnancies. She gave birth to her little girl first and then she went on to give birth to twin boys. Her experiences couldn't, they were so different. With When she was giving birth to her little girl, she was full of fear. She talks about shedding a tear when she was in the chapel. How much pain she was in. How she couldn't believe the world was still turning and she was in so much pain because it was so it was so huge to her um that it just felt it just she it wasn't a nice feeling she felt completely out of control and it wasn't where she wanted to be second time around completely different she put her heart and soul into preparing for the birth of her boys and It was such a gorgeous experience. She gave birth to them vaginally and completely unmedicated. Not necessarily what she was planning. She was open to an epidural but the boys were coming so quick that there wasn't any time. Which she is glad of because she was up and about then fairly quickly afterwards having a shower and just doing all those little bits and pieces we do after we give birth. Really gorgeous story. You'll hear throughout the middle of the story I... Uh, Jennifer shares that her little girl was diagnosed with verbal dyspraxia. It takes me a moment because my son was also diagnosed with verbal dyspraxia and it's quite rare. So to meet someone else who has a child who suffers, who's, who got the same diagnosis, uh, I, I haven't yet. Um, so I just want to highlight a charity that has really helped both Jennifer and I and it's Finding Charlie's Voice. Um, and they created amazing communication boards which i use i've put it in my relative's house i've put it in his play school just to help him because these kids find it so hard to communicate on a daily basis and the work that evelyn and everyone around her is doing with this charity uh, is really going a long way and i want to show her as much support as i can so thank you evelyn thank you jennifer for sharing this amazing story and i'm so glad i met you um enjoy this episode and i'll chat to you all soon okay let's get stuck in Thank you for coming on to the podcast. I'm really looking forward to having a chat and thank you for your patience last night. This cold got the better of me. So let's chat about a a little bit about you and then we'll talk about your births.
2: Sure. My name is Jennifer. I live in Dublin. My husband is Owen and we have three kids. They're Evelyn, um, who's three and a half and Derek and Patrick are twins and they are almost four months old.
0: Cool. Yes, a very busy household.
2: (laughs) Yes, extremely busy and noisy.
0: And does has the four month or does it exist for you, the four month sleep progression?
2: No, day oh. one or even before the, the sleep, even the sleep, like for the end of a twin pregnancy, the physicality of getting into bed. Then when you're in bed, like I'd say I haven't slept probably in the last, say, six or seven months. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll pile it on. Yeah. But but very happy. You know yourself like besotted with the twins and with Evelyn yeah. as well. We're just so lucky.
0: So let's talk about your first pregnancy.
2: Sure. So we were we were we we're together donkeys years, we're married um a year. We had a COVID wedding with six guests. We had a big blowout, stunning wedding, only six guests, my poor family, literally told half my family they couldn't attend. But way back in 2017, um uh, my mom unexpectedly uh took a stroke. She made a full recovery, but that was the kind of first time we were like, oh my god. What if my mom doesn't meet my kids, so you're yeah. we kind of like, okay, I think we need to jumpstart. So, very, very thankfully, the following month we had conceived. Who was then to be Evelyn? I had a very healthy pregnancy. I was walking to and from the office. I felt relatively uh, fit, and um, no real complications towards the end. I went uh, semi-private in Hollow Street. Loved my consultant. She was absolutely brilliant, but like that very low risk. <laughs> I would say my preparation for the first birth was akin to my preparation for my Irish aural exam where I yeah. out. That was all about dolphins and they were like, it was robots. Was like, <laughs> so um, yeah, because my the thing is with my sisters, my mom my sister-in-law, one of my sister-in-law, they had had spontaneous vaginal deliveries, uh, no time for pain relief. So I was like, this is going to be me. My consultant was like, that head is right down. And um, so I just assumed... That it would be the same even the antenatal um the antenatal prep course I felt looking back which hindsight is twenty twenty. looking back on it now it was so focused on pain relief I was just yeah. like god there's loads of options do you know when you look back you're And even looking at the notes about how many nappies to use and wet wipes you're like what about the day after <laughs> do you know what I mean it just stops <laughs> so funny
0: so tell me how you felt
2: um so yeah like that the the pregnancy was all was all very straightforward and then towards the towards the end I think I got up to about 41 and five days so I was well over and um I was offered a sweep and at that time I was kind of desperate to go into labor so I took that no problem Um, and that night then I began to feel contractions I was like this is very exciting I did diligently put on the wash and did a bit of hoovering and the contractions were very strong and regular and i was like this is this is brilliant now i'm just going to go into the hospital so we rang and they said well if they're within four minutes come in and i was examined when i went in they said well you're not really in established labor but you're borderline do you want to stay and i was like yeah sure you know i've nothing else to do worst decision ever as soon as i got there i mean the contractions completely came to a halt. And then when they did come back, it was kind of 24 hours of contracting with no progression, you know, and even the conversation was not progressing, not dilating, cervix unfavorable, you know, this kind of language that you've never heard before in your life. And it was just a slippery slope then in I think within within 10 or 12 hours of these what were excruciating to me. And nothing happening. Do you know what I mean? Like so frustrating. I had literally no idea. Like I said, the preparation I thought I had done, you know, tick box antenatal education done, listened to all of my uh, friends' birth stories, etc. I just wasn't prepared. And I was completely taken aback by the pain, didn't know how to control it or anything like that, even... I sent he was my partner then but my husband now we sent him home for two hours because there was just nothing happening and my mom came in and my sisters came in we just walking in the halls I ended up in the chapel I was weeping in the chapel you know like I, I was looking at the window and I was like, could I go home <laughs> I was like I don't like this pain at all and you know when they which the medical language obviously it's for a reason but it was just that kind of language like not progressive it's like well what am I supposed to do just
0: sitting there in pain with nothing happening you know And so when you say you were weeping, was it fear or was it like the reality of, yeah, what was about to happen? Or I suppose the unknown as well.
2: It was complete fear or I had literally, I had literally shut off like originally when they came, when I came in and they were like, yeah, you're contraction away. That's good." I told you. It completely slowed down, picked right back up. But there was still no, like I expected two centimetres, three centimetres. No, that just wasn't happening. It was barely one. After twenty four hours, and that night, when my when my family came in, I was just balling crying. I was like, "This can't be. This can't be labor. This I have to be soon, uh, delivery." It was just fear, and once fear enters, there's very little you can do to claw it back. So I had <laughs> literally gone straight onto the like to request for pain relief. So I think I had two two shots of pethidine, which didn't make me sick, but didn't really give me much relief either, and then. Eventually I had the midwife was able to break my four or my my four and then my hind waters, but I found that very painful. Even the vaginal exams, I found them really painful as well. Again, it was just kind of piling on top. But um eventually when the waters were broken, I was in, I think I was four centimetres then and brought down to delivery. So I was straight away, need an epidural, I need the pain relief. And that that was fine that worked a treat but it was like I was pumping so much that you know I actually got I got to sleep no my husband said I didn't sleep but I'm sure I got at least an hour asleep in active yeah. labor bonkers but I needed it I was 24 hours <laughs> fighting that pain, and um, but like I said I had envisaged that as my sisters, my mom everyone who went before me I thought I would walk in a few hours and walk back out <laughs> with with the baby and child. that didn't happen and um, So yeah, like I said, I just went straight for the epidural and that was absolutely fine. But once I'd had that, I completely relaxed. And then I could just let it happen after a little bit of a snooze. You know yourself, I couldn't really eat. So my energy levels were low. But apart from that, then it was within, I'd say about six hours. I needed the Pitocin um, drip as well because that had slowed my contractions having the epidural. And then about an hour's pushing. And then they said, I think we need to have some assistance so they got the doctor in who did a ventouse delivery and an episiotomy Um, and again like I just wasn't prepared not that there'd be extra people in the room or anything but just how the mood how the atmosphere can shift because my midwife was brilliant like so encouraging and the consultant um who delivered Evelyn was like was absolutely brilliant as well but I just wasn't prepared and I like after obviously after listening to the hours of the women who generously shared their story and then outside I had I just felt like I hadn't been present at the birth of my daughter like I was there I was pushing but you know the midwife was holding my stomach telling me that I was having a contraction because my epidural was strong enough that I couldn't feel it and then the consultant was pulling on the ventouse and it took a long time for me to kind of realize that. I had trauma associated with that, even though I had a live birth, you know, like there's no complaints. I received excellent care, but I just didn't realise, I didn't realise that when I went home and the months after, years after, even until I had my second and third birth, it was still a trauma that I carried. You know, I would have told anyone on the street that I was upset by that delivery, like that I I felt like I hadn't delivered her because I needed that assistance. If you know what I mean, I know that sounds really... Really silly, but I just I couldn't until I heard someone else say it <laughs> on a podcast. I was like, "Oh, I felt that too." I I didn't have the vocabulary around it, like because I told you my my preparation wasn't great.
0: <laughs> and did you feel, I suppose, you know, the way people say, "Oh, well, you know, you're you're okay, and the baby's okay." Did you feel like you couldn't yeah. be open about how you felt? For for I suppose that's yeah. just one reason. <laughs>
2: Oh no, definitely, because apart from that, I was I had kept a very open mind. I hadn't written a birth plan, but I had also been very open minded about how I would feed Evelyn. I obviously would I was desperate to try breastfeeding. Even towards the end of my pregnancy, I began to soak through my pajamas because I had overspike that I didn't know about. Okay. But again, my consultant like the the care I received before, during and after was huge encouragement. You're great. Which was brilliant, and even you know the the ads for Aptamil where they have to show that breastfeeding is important. I actually still find that kind of triggering because the baby that's in the ad is nine months old. It's not a one week old that can't latch that's mm. struggling at the breast. So when I, yeah, after after a traumatic delivery for me, I then had I then wanted to try breastfeeding, which which was just it was such. It was such a battle. I'd say for the first three months it was an uphill battle. I mean, I have absolutely no regrets. I, I fed her up until she was two years, but honestly, it was like it was akin to learning to drive at a at a very minimum for me because Evelyn had had huge difficulties latching and I had massive oversupply. So I was attending, I was attending the breastfeeding support group in Hollis Street and our district nurse in the primary care center was brilliant, but I was for three months straight feeding Evelyn only with nipple shields. Like I could put them on when I was fully asleep, but I couldn't go anywhere without it. Like it was then I was like, God, I wonder would she have nipple confusion if I gave her a bottle? But I was feeding her through a silicone nipple shield. You know, the things that you think back and you're like, what was I worried about? But those shields were the only way I could feed her. But because it was through the shield, and an oversupply Evelyn was vomiting after every feed not it wasn't to the stage projectile because I've obviously rang the ward they said if it doesn't hit the opposite wall (laughs) not to worry about it and she gained weight so slowly it was like borderline request to top up if and again everybody I went to see you're brilliant well look at you your first baby you're breastfeeding so I was like all right yeah 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 that's fine and When they say that the vomiting that's and it's kind of mimics reflux, colics and all of the um, symptoms of oversupply. But when they say it's only a laundry problem, I mean, like car seat wrecked every day, the bed wrecked, me wrecked, mattress wrecked. It was bonkers when I think back. But I was also using the HACA pumped catch breast milk on the other side. But that was also stimulating my my milk.
1: Yeah, so of I was course, not yeah. only
2: feeding Evelyn, but I was stimulated. I could have fed triplets. So if I, again, if I look back, if I'd have given her a top up, that would have reduced my supply. That would have been brilliant. But I think a lot of people respect your decision to breastfeed and not, not a lot of people would say, I'll just give her a top up because obviously if you want to breastfeed, that's fine. But I definitely struggled with even to get her off the nipple shields then because she was, so used to it the only way i managed to do it was eventually three months down the line when she was halfway through a feed i would take it off to kind of try and get her used to it and i did get it off and then from there on in i was like the woman in the ad it was the three months before that i was not That's
0: tough going jennifer the yeah
2: I know and like hindsight you know I could have just given her a top up, and I didn't feel particularly strong about it but when you're when you're looking down and you see milk pouring you're like why would I what a waste you know (laughs) wonderful but also
0: like you don't want to feel because I had a similar feeling but mine was under supply yeah but I didn't want to feel like I'll be honest I did not want to feel defeated it's like I can do this um and then I, me- I remember, I think I said it in my episode, I can't remember, crying all the way to Tesco because the freezer was dry. I was dry. He was hungry. And I was like, I, I actually have no choice. And I can't remember what age he was, maybe four or five months, bawling all the way to Tesco. But it was just, you just feel so defeated. And you just, what? why can't um, it work? And you push your way, probably into a place that maybe you could, a, a dark place maybe sometimes as well.
2: I was defeated by her birth, you see, because... I now understand that I realized that I which is ridiculous because I did push her out with help but I felt like I had not been present so me over over overwork, and I I read books and books because I did very little prep beforehand but I consumed every book even the bibles of breastfeeding that say Mm. oh if you have an epidural it's less likely that you'll bond with your baby like what books that kind of have way too much information but in fairness to the books those were the ones that said surround yourself by people who are breastfeeding so I sought out anyone who had breastfed before like I said I attended clinics and um support so I did I got over that three months but literally three months of not knowing if week on week on she would have gained weight and you know yourself you can only measure by output nappies yeah. and weights and it's, it does I was like a mathematician by the end yeah 90 grams 105 grams (laughs) like madness
0: and how did you feel then from uh, I suppose a uh, mental point of view then do you feel like you suffered from postnatal anxiety or anything like that I would
2: definitely say I had trauma related Mm. to Evelyn's birth I had a huge support system around me and like once I'd hit that three-month mark we were we were the per Myself and herself would just zoom off. We go to the cinema. I could feed her. It was, you know, even before you're weaning, you literally just need yourself, baby, and that which is great. But it's only now that I realise that that trauma from her birth, like that, I still carry. It was just something I had complete, like even the physicality of recovering from an episiotomy, from the Vontus, We brought her to an osteopath. Like we we took a really holistic approach, whereas I wish I had probably just gone and Had to check in for myself rather than brutal, brutally breastfeeding and pumping. I pumped, I had gallons of milk in the freezer and everything, but I was still struggling to feed her. And it was only then later, so it's it skipping a little bit ahead. But Evelyn at two and a half and um, was diagnosed with verbal dyspraxia, and that's um, that's motor uh, planning speech disorder. Oh,
0: Oliver has it as well. No way, verbal, dyspraxia. I feel like crying, yeah, I've, oh, yeah.
2: I I know warriors verbal dyspraxia.
0: Where that is mental. I've never spoken to anybody, and it's so rare.
2: So Not. rare. Honestly, yeah. Honestly, two and, yeah, and a half. Oliver was diagnosed as well. Two and a half. So it actually there are there are studies that link birth similar to von Tusa. Now there, it's more likely idiopathic that there's no known reason for the cause. But again, looking back on it, her struggles to latch. Is it because her jaw? all of the muscles that we take for granted for speech that have to coordinate to make any sounds like mommy even say your own name I know I'm wondering you know as a, yeah. it's so easy to blame yourself for anything but honestly the struggles that your your child has my child has you know communication is a basis is a basic need but that was one of the things I was like oh maybe and that was actually kind of healing I know that sounds ridiculous but That that potential that she had difficulty from birth because the disorder is from birth. So that probably makes more sense than, oh, my God, I was just really rubbish at it. You know what I mean? That's that's mad. That's mad. It is.
0: Yeah. okay let's chat about your next pregnancy.
2: Sure. So I I had a little spoiler earlier in our um, chat there that I had. I'd gone to the GP when I was when I was around ten weeks. Found out on my own. My husband was literally in prison working away, and I couldn't tell him. So my sister lives nearby, so I I just walked around to her house, and um, I was like, "Oh my god, it's twins!" And I, it was the strangest sensation that I couldn't tell <laughs> that I couldn't tell my husband. Very yeah. so funny. Funny. He, in fairness, he had a lunch break, so about two hours. But by then, I had I think I had told I think I told the newspapers like it was such a shock and it was in fairness it was the lowest risk so they were dichorionic diamniotic so they had their own placenta their own sac lowest of a high risk pregnancy and my gp was like you need to tell the hospital now he was like have you booked in i was like "No, no 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 i was was COVID. you know i I didn't want to bother anyone and he was like "Ring them now they because they have to verify that there is a membrane and the bigger you get the more difficult it is to see the membrane so because that's That determines how many scans you have you know like crucial information so like that um i was it was just that there seemed to be a backlog for the 12-week scans we we really loved our consultant with Evelyn but we felt like the public system was absolutely fine by us um to go with the twins i had heard kind of anecdotally that the public system was very good for twins anyways because you're you're treated very well and again we had we received excellent care so we went um through the public system there like honestly I I knew but I didn't know around the time I took the pregnancy test I thought I was showing anyways I felt violently ill and I actually fainted <laughs> I was ironing one of the days before I found out I just you know the hormone shifts but and yeah. that kind of that kind of sickness I was sick all day that sickness kind of carried through up until about 22 about 22 weeks and actually I had um I wasn't deficient in iron, but my iron levels were low. And that was, again, that was something that they took extremely seriously with twins because low iron, again, you're birth and two babies. So they monitored that very, very closely. I think I was tested for gestational diabetes as well. And then towards the end of the pregnancy, I had um, I had a really bad pelvic girdle pain, uh, pain I told you when we were chatting away at the beginning that I had great difficulty getting into bed and getting out of bed and just even going to the loo was excruciating but typical things like but outside that you know the babies were grown well like we I I kind of touched on being very open-minded with Evelyn's birth but like that it was my mission to be better prepared I mean I couldn't have had a, a more different situation with a twin pregnancy that's kind of why I went outside the podcast realms, way out to new zealand because there's a, a huge amount of birth um, stories again that were twins i looked into breach i again i was an over reader researcher i was looking at how would you deliver breach twins because it's i i try to think of the language but i wanted a vaginal birth after my vaginal birth it's not a VBAC but i wanted a, a VBAC that i was present to and um, so i was open to a cesarean If it was necessary, but I was really hoping to have a vaginal birth, and I knew that was all determined by the position of twin one, um, which twin one at the at the time he's now Derek, but twin one um was head down for most of my pregnancy. But during that time, my husband got COVID, and I was eight months pregnant, and it was around the time that we had to isolate, and um my daughter Evelyn had to be off school for 17 days. So during that time when I was minding her, <laughs> I literally couldn't, I couldn't sit on the floor with her. I couldn't do anything. I was literally in bits, but I had to be signed off for those two weeks while Owen was isolating. But twin one turned breech as well. And I was like, no, he's been head down the whole time. So like in the public system, you see a different person at every scan. So kind of towards the eight, nine month mark, that's when they kind of said, look, have you any thoughts? And I just said, I'm really open, hoping for, um, uh, and vaginal delivery, but they were like, well, Twin wound is breached, so you have to be prepared. And I was like, that's fine, no problem.
0: I just want to take a moment to introduce you to our new podcast sponsors, Kiwi Co. So especially with Oliver, I found play actually quite challenging. I wasn't sure if the play that I was doing with him was developmentally what he needed. Um I was actually quite anxious about it and I really needed someone to give me guidance um and make me move away from researching things and um, kind of take that aspect out of it and create something for me to sit down and enjoy with him. So this is pretty much what KiwiCo do and they have created the Panda Crate. So the Panda Crate is basically a subscription service for Play Essentials designed just for babies and toddlers aged between 0 to 24 months. So it's created by by play experts at KiwiCo in partnership with Seattle Children's Hospital. Pandacrate is thoughtfully designed with care to stimulate your baby's brain development through play. Pandacrate is a science-backed, research-based approach to play and recognises that there's more to babyhood than just the milestones. Panda Crate is designed to support child-led play and open-ended exploration because every child is different, every path is unique and each twist and turn and bump in this journey is an opportunity for connection, discovery and learning. Something that I loved about the, the Panda Crate was the gorgeous wooden toys and it was really well explained as well. So one of the crates that we got had loads of animals in it which was really nice because Eva in particular is crazy about animals so I found that she really connected and interacted with the kit, the crate itself. So it was brilliant how it works. So Panda Crate is a subscription service timed to your child's particular age and stage with shipments every other month. Each crate includes two months worth of play products and activities along with helpful resources and play inspiration for parents too, which in all honesty is what I have always needed and still do need to this day. Whether you are a first time parent or not, Panda Crate provides a way to simplify the early years with just right products to support your baby's rapid development in the first two years of life. So something that definitely kind of takes the stress and anxiety out of thinking, am I creating the right play environment? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring.
1: That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST.
0: For my child, especially during those two years of lots of sleepless nights, get 30% off your first month plus free shipping with code IREBIRTH at kiwico.com. That's 30% off your first month at K-I-W-I-C-O com with promo code I-R-E birth. Now, back to this week's episode. Did you, sorry, did you feel him turn? Did you feel any mood? You did. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, sorry, not cool, but you know what I
2: mean? <laughs> I know it was, it was so weird. It was like, I thought, you know, again, holistic I was like oh I must have slipped a disc like I was pregnant with twins carrying a three-year-old around like of course something would happen but yeah I was trying to pick her up when she was upset but um I went for the day on came out of isolation I was I'm going for a massage my back is broke but the the girl I met again another kindred spirit she had said oh how was your first pregnancy told her all about the birth and she was like i think you can use i think it's moxie yeah. or something that you burn at your toe but you know when something someone just sympathizes with you that can be enough literally i i i rate that chat that i had with her the reason that twin one eventually turned back yeah, head down and yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and she had said you know like what prep are you doing so at that point i was telling her i'm listening to every podcast i podcast, saved podcasts. any vaginal twin delivery i've listened to 10 times and she was like, have you considered hypnobirthing? birthing?" I was like, no, not into hypnobirthing. Never heard of it. Um, I have enough. I was like, I have enough on my plate. She was like, just listen to one track. So there was a specific track that was to do. I don't know. It was a Von delivery track. And it's a meditation by the script. And I was hooked straight after that. I was signed up to everything. But then to be honest, over COVID, I was working and I was working remotely. So that was the only, that was the only saving grace that I was out of the office. So I was at home for my entire pregnancy. Because not only like the, you're fighting the low iron, but the tiredness, like I'd have to nap on my lunch. I'd have to nap in the evening. I was, I was wrecked, but I wouldn't have been able to attend like an all day hypnobirthing course. So the, the, one of the positives of having a pregnancy in COVID was that courses were basically online everything was online you watched them on your own terms and it was kind of it kind of democratized that education part as well because of the prices yeah. like some of the prices of those courses although I absolutely rate them I'd be an evangelist of hypnobirthing myself I'm considering training in it myself that's how much I believe in it. but they are so expensive yeah. especially when you're going from a family of three to five you're like whoops but um so i did i did um the positive birth company it's a digital pack you watch it on your own time now i wouldn't have said that i'd be mad into the guided meditation i my brain doesn't really switch off i told you i read books and books and that's how i that's that's how I, i learn. um but i really i really liked the affirmations those things that the stickers you put around that say my body has has made the baby and i can birth the baby and it was all it was all brilliant but the science behind breathing and the breathing technique like honestly it's it completely changed my approach because I was literally in fear again my husband was over the moon he was like twins we're so lucky but I was the one who was like oh my gosh I have to birth these twins like what's <laughs> responsible totally. And I feel so guilty saying it but There were. I had huge pockets of joy throughout the pregnancy, and I was generally well apart from the pain that I would have associated with a twin pregnancy. But I was so in fear of the birth. I was like, this, this can't. I, I have to be able to do this. I have to, and that's how the hypnobirthing with the breathing. When I had understood that muscles starved of oxygen are painful, and it was like a light bulb. Mm. It's like this is amazing. So I had, I had practice that a good bit but I didn't get too much from the guided meditations but more so just the realization that there is a science behind hypnobirthing not that it's like a form of hypnosis or magic etc it is magic really but there is a science behind it so I was I was completely hooked from then from there on in and I know some of the women on your podcast would have been would have said the exact same it's kind of the best kept secret but I know that there's a lot of There's a lot of spokespersons now that are saying that this is amazing. And I actually even took another one. I I tell a lie. The um, Hollis Street had a hip and birthing course. Again, it was free and I could attend remotely. I told if even if I had a free one week course to go to the States to do it, I couldn't have done it in my state. I could barely walk. So it was brilliant. The one um, from Hall Street, and then the digital pack that you could just watch the videos. They were short videos that you just watch at your own pace. So that was brilliant. So my, again, my prep, I'd say, I probably listened to about three hundred hours of podcasts and the the Positive Birth Company videos, and it was it was amazing. It was amazing because I felt like I knew that when I felt those pains, that every pain meant something. I just hadn't understood that before. Beforehand, I was like, God, there's lots of pain relief options. That's brilliant. Whereas this time I understood that the contractions were for a reason and not to be feared.
0: And did you feel like you were being kind to yourself by pre- by preparing as much as you did?
2: Yeah, yeah I did. I had the house smelling like mass because I did. I, I love aromatherapies. I I I I think I actually wrote myself a prescription at the end. I was like some mad scientist. Um I had I was burning um, frankincense, which they use for funerals or whatever, and only used to walk my house and be like, what's going on? <sighs> but different scents then I would associate with different things, you know, like if I had a busy day or burn different oils. But yeah, like I was just to- it was a, a total form of self-care yeah. I like that. Someone expe- like somebody on the in the hip birthing course said that vaginal exams were optional i didn't know i didn't know you could say no i didn't know that there was a whole thing again i i'm not saying it from a care perspective i had i received great care but i, I said before that i felt an extreme extremely painful like that sweeps painful anything that was going in the wrong direction i felt extremely extreme painful so then i knew like by the end of the amount of podcasts i listened to i was so confident in my birth preferences that I wrote them and I left them at home. I didn't even need to bring in a sheet. I was so confident. So with a twin pregnancy, they don't um, allow you to go over 38 weeks if you're if they both have their own placenta, they blow both, both sacks. So they had said that most, more than likely um, I'd be booked in for an induction now. And there's a whole thing about, and again, a lot of people would have had really negative experiences with induction. With Evelyn, I had gone into labour spontaneously but um by then I was in so much pain I couldn't wait so I was like absolutely fine I had really hoped that I could just have my waters broken or that they would go themselves and it was around Christmas time as well so I was like oh, oh this is I'll have my Christmas dinner and babies will be here but nothing happens so I got right up to 37 weeks and six days so even the difference of like the day the day with Evan i spent with contractions not eating not progressing this time i slept six hours before i was gone in my mother-in-law collected Evelyn. was really sad she scooted off and she didn't look back i was like oh your world is about to change but i slept the night before we we ate i had lunch like in the morning the consultant was doing the rounds and um, so i went straight to the unit three in hollow street consultant came around Literally out of nowhere, she came in and she was like, How are you? How are you feeling? Oh, Twain's very exciting. And out of nowhere, I stood up from the bed and I said, I didn't cope very well with my last pregnancy and Delivery. And she was like, Oh, are you okay? And my husband's like, Oh my god, he was he went pew thread and stopped laughing. Then so she she had a look, and a couple of days before they had tried to do a sweep, but they'd said that my servants was unfavourable again. I was like, No, but she she was she was a wonder woman. She was able to um break my waters, which was brilliant. So that was fine. But then when they left, my was just like, What were you? What were you on about? What'd she say? It was it was out of it was an involuntary reflex that I just wanted to put it out there that I didn't cope And in fairness, she came back and she was like, Don't worry, there's lots of pain relief. Like if you're going for um a vaginal birth with twins, they recommend you have an epidural. And that was fine. But on my history, the epidural had slowed my contractions yeah. and not that I didn't want it because I needed it forever and it was, it's extremely effective. But she had, she came back to reassure me. She was like, don't worry, we'll see how we go. So this was, she broke my waters around nine, half nine. She was like, if by lunchtime nothing's happened, we'll put on the potassium drip and we'll get you set up with some pain relief. So I don't, I can't explain why I had that outburst <laughs> because we were, we were chatting and giggling beforehand. But just as soon as I saw this and I knew I was going to have, it, a an exam and b potential all the pain of the waters being broken don't deal very well but like that um it was quiet on um in unit three waters had broken and nothing was happening so we were just chatting away like that i had saved a couple of episodes from you that i hadn't listened to so i, was, I listened to that didn't really want to go in the guided meditation so i just love the podcast anyone who's willing to share their birth stories is a hero so I listened to a couple of podcasts around that time, started to feel a couple of contractions, and I was doing my up-breathing. Um, Lunch time comes around, I actually ate, I had a sandwich, and then I started, I was like, oh, this is picking up, and I kept going in and out of the loo. <laughs> what was happening was I was having really, really strong contractions, and you know the force, everyone says to sit on the loo, but that was... That was my labor progressing very well. But I was doing, I was in such a trance. Like my husband was chatting away to me and I was listening to your podcast. I had a couple of comedy stuff. I was listening to all sorts. Like, but I wasn't answering them. I was doing up-breathing. I was like, God, this is okay. And I started my, um, one of the midwives came around. She was like, oh, how are you feeling? And I was like, oh, well, I think I'm having attractions. And she was like, have been timing them? You know, I, like I said, I was so invested. I had every app, never tried them didn't know how to do them like and when the when your contractions are irregular it comes up 25 minutes apart you know when you're not timing them properly yeah. so I was like, whoops, whoops! so I started doing that I was God, well, these are fairly regular anyway so it gets to about five o'clock and the midwife comes in and she's like how are you feeling because I wasn't making any noises I was completely silent listening to podcasts doing my upbringing when she went and she got close to me. I grabbed her hand, and I was like, "You need to check me now." Again, totally. Out of the blue, that was—I think—that was the first time I'd spoken probably in about three hours because I was so focused. And um, she was like, "Oh, you're about three three centimeters, but well, I'm going to bring you straight down to delivery." And she ran and got a wheelchair. I was completely oblivious. I was like, "All right, great, it's brilliant." Again, five o'clock. I was like, "This is fantastic! Like it's night <laughs> and day compared to heaven." she ran me down that corridor into down into delivery and we had been warned that there would be a lot of staff room. that yeah. didn't bother me I was like oh brilliant and my had two midwives they were like oh no sure you're probably in for the long haul but let's see can we get you uh, more comfortable because I, I was then beginning to make more noise now that I understood that you know these were this was like active labour and um they're like we're just going to set up they started to unpack all their equipment and stuff and um I kind of that transition that I felt with the midwife in unit three I my noises started to change and one of them looked at the other and they were like what's going on and they were like I have you thought about the epidural now I'm still wearing the mask and I was wearing like really heavy like fluffy socks and they were like you're boiling you look like you're about to collapse and I was just I had been given the gas and air but I didn't like the taste so I was kind of kind of uh, messing around they were like take off the mask take off your socks what are you doing so I was like yeah yeah I'll get an epidural that's fine and by the time the the anaesthetist had come down they were like are you pushing I was like no no because I wanted to epidural. I was there so after going through all of that time I was like actually no I would love all of this pain relief so I was trying to hide that I was pushing and he was like are you pushing <laughs> Everybody was in full, full knowledge. But um yeah, so basically the best thing that could have happened was I ran out of time. I was pushing at that stage. So I think from the records, the labor, the active labor onset was half five. And I had delivered twin one, who was Derek at 25 past six. So within an hour, it was 10 centimetres, a couple of pushes, and then eight minutes later, twin two was born, who was Patrick. And literally you couldn't you couldn't have written it compared to like literally I even looked back on my notes from my I journaled throughout my pregnancy I should have uh, said oh, that as well man. not on every voice, but literally not not every week you know yourself yeah. you're busy busy with uh, kids and stuff and with all that we're doing but, but I looked back on birth preferences and I was like I would prefer not to have one too so I would prefer not to have a cesarean. you know everything I had a uh, second between a first and second degree tear like the difference, even the physicality of the recovery, like it was just night and day. Unlike that, I had kept a very open mind about feeding them, certainly with twins, you know, but said sure I'll go for the breastfeeding, why not? I had the pillow as well, my sister-in-law bought me a gorgeous pillow. So they both latched, Do you know, I was three months waiting for Evelyn to latch, you know, they both latched, so that was great, but I'm combination feeding them. I was actually combination feeding them in the hospital as well insatiable appetite Two boys like compared to poor little Evelyn. um but it was just night and day honestly and the like I was up walking around so the like within an hour or so we were back on the we were back in the ward and this was about 10 o'clock at night now, so they had left us a good while and then sure I do have to go home and I was on such a high I was like head off don't be worrying like you know like I probably I uh, would have asked and um, for him to stay longer I sent him off with the bags like I thought I would be there I thought I'd be in labor for days you know the usual like or be sent down for, for cesarean so you would have had a smaller pack so like you know that like, gorgeous shower I ended up having a shower with his Nivea for men rotten stuff that I could find like I I didn't even have an apple. I literally sent him home I was like this is brilliant I was like don't worry I'll see you in the morning I had sent him the only thing I had was the reduced pack that you had in case you had to go down for a C section. So I think I had two nappies for the entire night. You know, the way like not, not that you have to change in so much but I didn't even have <laughs> didn't even have my lovely shower stuff. Oh it was just so funny. But that's literally the there was no comparison, you know, because everything everything was pretty much textbook on what I had written in my birth preferences. So like it was brilliant. And they were both so uh, Patrick was was 22 and he was heavier but Derek was a hundred grams off needing to go to the NICU, so neither of them had to go. Like you, like I was so so grateful. Even the midwives, like one of them, did basically a matrix jump up over me to keep twin two in position and held my stomach to ensure you know, like because, because even that's the, so
0: fascinating. It's so fascinating. So fascinating.
2: Yeah, I don't know how they do it because I had said. Again, I there wasn't much, much it's, it's ironic, but there wasn't much intelligible conversation when I got to meet the two midwives who were angels, obviously. But when I got down there, they had said, like, don't worry, like there will be lots of doctors, probably more, and a breach specialist in case we have to rush to theatre. The chances that twin two turns is quite high. No problem. But I, re- I still remember when um, Derek was born um one of the one of the midwives ran out and was like quick there's a vaginal twin delivery come on and a couple of students came in oh, I, was, I was thrilled i was like come in, come in. <laughs> i have i have um one of my friends is a midwife she's now a practice nurse but i had obviously i had called her endlessly throughout the pregnancy and I was like what will I do what what's going to happen and she was like just let it happen and in fairness I was like is it likely that if I go down this road of asking for a vaginal delivery, I'll end it she was like we just don't know until the day it was brilliant advice again brilliant advice but like you couldn't you couldn't have written it compared to what I had felt after Evans. even even the fact that it sounds ridiculous but the fact that I'd slept the night before yeah. I was able to eat you know energy levels like stuff I even remember when we had gone in for the induction with the twins there were a couple of girls on the ward and um, who were upset like I was not that I would have ever had a look in for I remember thinking god if I could tell them that it's it's not going to be like that and that they were going to have their baby. Like if somebody had told me when I was labouring with Evan, like don't worry, it's not that it's it's just hard now, but it'll be better. But I remember thinking those poor girls are in exactly facing the exact same position as I was. But then on my on my second and third, it was like night and day. It was it was brilliant. No, I was I was absolutely delighted.
0: It's amazing to hear that you were so focused and so and just in that zone. And it's such a like if you if you could if I could apply if you could apply yourself. <laughs> to something else the way you do with with it's just if it's just a place that you can probably can't ever return to until you're in that um if you were to ever give birth again I don't think you could find yourself there otherwise
2: no no it everything aligned but in fairness it's the preparation Preparation, and the understanding like your first it's the again the focus is on antenatal classes and stuff but it's it's the first one thousand days you know like it's the birthday is one day and then every other day you're still working you know like you're still doing the best and you're everybody around you is your massive support system I'm very lucky and was supported in every decision I made even like when I told when I told my sisters that I was combination feeding them you know there was a bottle machine at the door there was extra bottles sterilizers. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean like we we're just you know we're, we're blessed like but it it really depends on circumstances whether or not your birth is one way or the other but I in fairness I had felt that the hypnobirthing had kind of been a turning point because even if even if I'd had to be rushed for a cesarean I was I was totally prepared for that because I understood that you know that there's that there are medical interventions because there has to be
0: rather than it, it was my own failure yeah and you still had the hypnobirthing tools even if you did have a cesarean birth, you still had the hypno birthing tools. And also I found them really beneficial after baby was here. Um, just, you know, to to help me, help me keep my cool during feeding. I'm sure you, uh, you, you needed to tap into some of those tools when you had twins and a toddler.
2: (laughs) Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like even the up breathing, like the pain. So, I still had oversupply ironically I still had oversupply even though I was feeding twins now I was combination feeding which actually worked out so well because eventually my supply has reduced because I'm combination feeding okay but like the pain of the letdown it was like it feels like a contraction within your boobs like the pain it was it's such a surge even one of the midwives, um, when I was going in for the regular weigh-ins for Evelyn, she described oversupply as pouring a, a drink down the back of your neck. So those, even even when I was feeding twins, they were also experiencing, so they were also refluxy, cocky, yeah, vomiting, tough, lots yeah. of spit up. And, but like that that would kind of be the only thing I'd say is, like I said, I loved breastfeeding. I love breastfeeding Evelyn. I have no regrets every feed, but for me, informed feeding would be the best way to go because I even found challenges bottle feeding like there's no straightforward way to feed a baby any way that you do it's amazing all of the bottle feeds are just as important as breast like it's just now that I've gone whole circle of exclusive breastfeeding to combination feeding and experience challenges in both ways it's just it's just incredible the work that we have to do and with with the toddler at home and toddler in tow do you know what I mean like even one of the one of the ladies who had recorded the triplet birth on your podcast, who had said that the odd time man takes one, so they only have twins. I was like, how did they do it? How do they do it with triplets? Like, how do they feel? Yeah. How do they keep them alive?
0: Amazing! Like, how? Like, I know, Jennifer. No t- t- uh, twins. <laughs> <laughs> like, I I struggle with two, and they're not even like they're three and a half and two. Couldn't I couldn't. Yeah.
2: Oh no, no. In fairness, it's, it's tough going, but like it's it's two for the price of one. Like with the with the birth, if if there's no complications, yeah, yeah, no, eight it's, minutes apart yes. But I only labored once for two babies. Your body's like,
0: amazing. Yeah, the way it, it just the, 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 that that hypno thing, it's just key. I really think it's key.
2: <laughs> oh, it's huge, but like again. One of the positives, and I know a lot of women suffered hugely through pregnancy and birth during COVID, but the only positive of COVID that I found was that that piece yeah. of the accessibility to educate yourself about birth and about pregnancy. So the online courses, podcasts, time to listen to it, you know, freedom to listen to it, even like amazing. So that that would be one of the main things going forward is like that kind of I'd love to see a multidisciplinary interdisciplinary birth education suite that yeah. is, is available that would be kind of in other countries it would just be expected you know what I mean rather than kind of nothing wrong going in with an open mind but there I went in on my first uh birth not knowing I could refuse a vaginal exam. like you know, like I'm an educated woman I should have known not that I had any negative experiences, but I found them painful. And why didn't I say oh, that? I know. You know, like,
0: majority of the majority was Totally relate to going in the first time around, thinking that we're just going to give birth. That's just what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I bring the car seat in and head home, not realizing. You know, I remember looking out the window of the chapel when I was weeping. Like seeing people drive by and be like, how yeah. dare they? Their their life is continuing and they don't know that I'm in this pain. Like, how is life continuing when I'm in, under this extreme excruciating pain, which it is, you know, the fear, fear takes over.
0: Thank you so much. That was so lovely. And I'm so glad we have met and I've had the opportunity to hear your two birth stories. And I think so many of us can relate to this episode. First time round, so full of fear second time round we were full of knowledge and power so thank you so much I hope you enjoyed this week's episode I certainly enjoyed speaking to Jennifer and I have shared some really beautiful images over on the Instagram page which I will pop in the show notes um, of Jennifer feeding her boys and yeah just really gorgeous photos that will get the oxytocin flowing no doubt if you are expecting um, and I will also of course tag Finding Charlie's Voice um, in the show notes so if you're looking for a communication board or to speak to other parents who are going through the same experience as you are discovering that your child has a speech disorder pop over there Evelyn is a great support and we're all in this together so have a good week and I will chat to you on Monday with another episode